Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoyed today's message. It is Mother's Day, and uh, we are so blessed to have a special guest with us here this morning. Amber is here with us, and she brought her two boys, Isaac and Elijah, and her entourage over here as well, and so um, we are so thrilled to have Amber with us. Amber's parents are Bob and Connie Wine, and um, Bob is our district superintendent, and Connie, let me just say this about Connie, Connie is the best first lady that there could ever be in all the districts, in all the world. Connie, we love you so much. Thank you for all that you guys do, Bob and Connie, for investing in us and our churches and our church specifically, and so we thank you for that. Um, Amber is uh, from Kearney, and she faithfully attends New Life Church there. She uh, coaches Junior Bible Quiz there. Um, I probably could have used a little bit of help with Junior Bible Quiz. I was the king of quizzing out backwards, okay? Those of you who don't know what Bible quiz is, that's not a good thing, all right? But I was the king of quizzing out backwards. But um, Amber was with us for a WM event uh, several months ago, and uh, she has been invited back to share with us here today on Mother's Day. And um, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm so excited today. And Amber, would you please come and would you please uh, share your story with us, uh, North Shore. Can we give her some love here this morning as Amber comes? Well, thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. Uh, it's just an honor. It's such a special day, Mother's Day. It, it is for me, anyway. Um, I do realize that not all of us approach holidays quite the same way. Uh, some of us may be looking at Mother's Day for the first time without your mom. And so it's a day that, that is, has some sorrow in it. Or perhaps you've lost a child, and Mother's Day is a very difficult day. Or you might have a strained relationship with your mom. I do realize and I'm sensitive to the fact that holidays might not always be the same for everybody. Um, but I do believe that God has something to say to each of us today. Um, I... Thank you, Chris. I, I did want to introduce my mom, so I <laughs> sense it's Mother's Day. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her in just a few minutes. Um, and I also want to introduce you to the little boy who first made me a mom, Isaac. Do you want to wave at everybody? <laughs> so just a little background on me. Um, I was uh, privileged to grow up in a very happy, loving, two-parent home. Um, just as Chris said, my, my dad served for 33 years over in Kearney at New Life, and, um, and now he's the district superintendent here. And, no, I grew up my life, all my life having him up here, not me, so this one's a change. <laughs> um, as we were growing up, my sister and I, uh, my mom stayed home with my sister and I, and she was, in my mind, kind of the epitome of a perfect mom. Uh, granted, she wasn't perfect, but in my mind, she just, she just fit the role. I mean, kind of the cookies and milk after school kind of mom. Uh, she could cook, and she was crafty and creative, and she could sew. She sewed some of our clothes. She sewed 
some of our dolls' clothes. We had these little dolls called strawberry shortcakes when we grew up. I don't know if anybody remembers those. And they had big heads and little bodies. And she would make little bonnets and then a coordinating outfit. Um, I, I can tell you I truly believe that I was invited to some birthday parties just so that my mom would make them strawberry shortcake clothes. So not only was she this great mom, but she kind of made me popular too. So that was a bonus. But in all seriousness, my mom was a beautiful example of mothering to me. She, she didn't just mother my sister and I. She mothered um, so many women in our church. It just came naturally. She cared for them. She listened to them. She prayed for them. She loved them. And as their roles have changed, she continues to do so. It's just part of who she is. Now, I've told you how wonderful my mom is. Um, and now I'm going to say that I'm not a lot like her. So, <laughs> um, I can easily tell you um, what I'm not. I'm not a great cook, um, not even probably a good cook. And I am not crafty, and I can't sew. So all of those things she tried very hard to teach me, but they just escaped me. I think my sister got all of those talents. But one thing, um, there's things that my mom taught me about being a mom that go much deeper than things I can and cannot do. And today what I'm going to focus on is what I believe God desires in our hearts. Um, my desire today is that you will leave here with a better understanding of what God desires in our hearts as a mom or as a dad, or as a single person, or as a wife, or husband, or grandparent, or whatever role that God has you in right now. So first we're going to, um, when I first think about moms, the first thing really that came to my mind is love. There is something special about a mother's love. It is so unique. It, it is... Um, there's really not, nothing like it when you are hurt, and a mom's hug or kiss just makes a huge difference. Ask my three-year-old. He'll tell you that. Or um, when you're hurting, just and, and she comforts you, or when you're sick, and she just nurses you, or her encouragement, her belief. Um, you know, my dad and I were talking this week about love, and he mentioned that the closest thing to God's divine love is a mother's love on earth. It's called storge. Isn't that fascinating that God put in us a parent's love, something that's, that's the closest reflection to his own. So what does God have to say about love? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. I don't know if, yep. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Many of you have heard that first part of that verse. The context is basically that Moses um, is giving the Israelites the last sermons right before he dies. So that book of Deuteronomy is just full of this passion and his heart of just wanting these people to get it, just really hear him, honor and obey God because he has so much that he wants to bless them with. And so shortly into this book is, are these words, these commandments to love God, that the same commandment that Jesus then later calls the greatest commandment. 
But if we look just a little bit closer, at, right after that, that verse of loving the Lord, it also says, know it in your heart. They are to be on your hearts. There's a distinct difference between knowing it in your heart and knowing it in your head. Because if it's in your heart, then you can do the next instruction, which is impress it on your children. And moms and dads, that is what God has asked us to do. That is our God-given job, to impress it on our children. So first, we have to figure it out for ourselves. What does that look like? How do we cultivate that deep love for God so that we can impress it on our children? The definition of impress is to affect deeply or strongly in mind or feelings, to fix deeply or firmly on the mind or memory. We want our children to know how much we love God. So when they're grown and away from our home and have children of their own, what are they going to look back and see? Are they going to see busy moms and dads scurrying around with their schedules? Probably. Are they going to see compassionate hearts? Possibly. Will they see a mom or a dad that they know without a shadow of a doubt loved God with all their heart? I want to take a step back and look at verse 4. I'm not sure if they'll have that on there or not. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I find it so fascinating that first, when Moses is giving this powerful verse, he first says who God is. He first has to say, God is one. If we know him, if we know who he is, then we will love him. When I was thinking about how does that, how does that relate to a mom, I guess I first was asking myself, what would, you, what would my kids or what would people in your life say you're passionate about? I think if I ask my boys, they might say flowers, because I like flowers right now, springtime. I think Isaac would say school, because I am pretty diligent about school. I hope they would say them. But I think most deeply, I want them to know how deeply I love my God. Because someday, they're going to have to make that choice for themselves. And I want that to be impressed on their hearts. I know I'm not perfect in parenting or an example, but I do believe that when they leave, they're going to know how passionate I loved God and his word. The second thing about love is that we moms, I can speak for us maybe, is we get love. We get it. We love deeply. We love fiercely. We love our little cubs. We love our big cubs. But sometimes we miss out on, on what God wants for us because we put so much into those little cubs that somehow they get out of order, right? They somehow accidentally, unintentionally replace God because we put so much into them. But when we get it right, when we get it in the right order and with passion, then we will impress it on their hearts. And God can do amazing things. So I was thinking about stories of mothers in the Bible. 
And the story that really stood out to me was the story of Hannah. So Hannah's story can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She was a woman that could uh, not have any children, and she wanted to have a baby. I'm sure some of you either have experienced that journey of infertility or know somebody who has. I have um, two friends, two very dear friends today that are here with me that have walked that journey. And although they've done it with faithfulness and grace, it has not come without pain. So Hannah walked this journey. And every year they would go to Shiloh to offer their annual sacrifices. And one year when they were there, um, let me back up. Hannah's husband had a second wife who had many sons and daughters. And the Bible says that she provoked her, provoked Hannah, um, meaning obviously she was not kind or compassionate to her situation. So one year when they were in Shiloh, Hannah, I think honestly what my interpretation of that is that she was being provoked and her heart was heavy. Um, it was adding salt to the wound. It was just, I need to get out of here. And it says she stood up which in my mind means I think she left. I think she removed herself from that situation, and she found herself in the house of God. And she just began to cry out and pour out her heart to God. She was passionate. She was desperate. She was so desperate in her cry and her prayer that the priest, Eli, rebuked her. But in that desperateness, she said, God, if you would just give me a child, then I will give him back to you all the days of his life. Wow, that's a huge promise. Have you ever made a promise in the midst of just a desperate place that you couldn't later really fulfill? Well, the amazing part of Hannah's story is that she did. God gave her a son. He fulfilled the longing of her heart. She had a baby to hold, to love, to nurse, to clothe, a little hands, little fingers to wrap around hers. I wonder what she thought of when she carried him in her womb for nine months. Amazement and an awe that God answered her prayer, but also remembering that vow. She named her son Samuel, and when the time came and he was weaned, she took him back to Shiloh. So imagine with me what that trip might have looked like. How tightly she held on to his hand as they walked. Tears streaming down her face as she held him close. Imagine a quiet little boy that didn't understand why his mom was so sad. Imagine how heavy her feet must have felt as she walked away. How did she do it? How did she leave her little boy in the hands of a priest to raise? What, would he be taken care of? Who would take care of him when he scraped a knee? Who would, who would take care of him when he was sick? Would he know she loved him? The second chapter gives us a little glimpse into Hannah's heart. She writes a song, and in it says, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There's no rock like our God. I clearly see a woman who loved the Lord with all her heart. 
she obeyed knowing the sacrifice. And in her obedience, she had peace. God was her rock that allowed her the strength to fulfill the vow that she had made. Her son grew up to be one of the most powerful prophets in all of Israel. He anointed the first king of Israel, Saul, and then later David. And I wonder, would he have been able to fulfill the destiny God had for him had his mom not been able to be obedient in the midst of sacrifice? I'm going to tell you a a personal story about surrender and obedience. But first, in order to do so, I have to give you a little context. So after my husband Scott and I had um, Isaac, um, we wanted to have another child. And um, for some reason, it wasn't as easy as the first time. So when he was about three or four, um, we went to the doctor and to see what what was going on. We left with not a lot of clear answers, but really just um, questions in our hearts and really felt like, let's just wait. We didn't feel like at that point medicine was the the answer that we felt like we were supposed to go down. Um, In 2012, Scott was uh, in the middle, almost at the end of his um, master's degree, and I thought, you know, once that huge stress was over, then we could probably take another look at having another child. About mid-year that year, um, we learned of a young woman who was expecting with some challenging circumstances. Her mother was a friend of my mom, and so we had some unique connections. One night, um, she and her mom came over and visited with Scott and I, and we just shared our hearts and listened. And the next day, she called me up and said that she had chosen adoption and that she had chosen Scott and I to have her baby. We were overwhelmed, amazed, overjoyed. The emotions were just huge. Um, the next few months, we, uh, Scott finished up his classes, and I went to doctor's appointments with her. And on December 14, 2012, Scott graduated, and two days later, Elijah David James was born. What an amazing journey. It's an experience I'll never forget. I could tell you details about both of my boys' births, and they were so amazing and beautiful and unique. As I just mentioned, Scott had a lot going on in his life, and I can tell you now in hindsight that two big components of that were severe anxiety and depression. At the time, I thought it was just that he put so much into school, so much pressure on himself, and that once that was over, things would get better. But about four months after graduation, and Scott got on some medication to help him with those issues. And I am not standing here today as a proponent against medicine because I am not. I believe very firmly and clearly that there is, um, it's very necessary and needed in certain circumstances. Um, in Scott's situation, I believe it was needed. It was just the wrong medicine. And uh, it ended up being a detriment in a severe way. The months that followed, um, he it took a serious turn. He struggled more than I had ever seen him before. And I, I fought with everything in me to get him help and to talk logic to him and to pour hope into him. Um, I felt like my world was caving in and all I was doing was holding up the walls. In August, um, I felt like Scott, I felt like God was, was asking me to um, push Scott to take, get some help. 
And what I did was I asked a couple men that I knew Scott knew and trusted to be with me, and I asked him in love and um, with all my heart that I wanted, I needed him to leave to go get help. Um, I loved him. I believed in him. I believed in our marriage, but I needed him to get help. At that time, um, Elijah's adoption was not quite final. It was almost final. We're probably in our last steps, but it wasn't quite final. So a few days after Scott left, um, I felt like God spoke to me again, and this time he asked me to, told me to go to Nebraska Children's Home and tell them what was going on. If I could take a snapshot and somehow allow you to see the agony of a mother's heart, that night I would. I wept and I wept and I wept. I remember telling God that I wasn't sure I was physically capable of doing what he asked. To me, it meant that they very well could take Elijah. My mind couldn't quite fathom what God was asking me to do. My husband, whom I loved deeply, was intensely struggling with serious issues. I felt alone. And now God was asking me to give up my son, the son whom I loved, prayed for, believed for. The next morning, after a very long and sleepless night, I got up and I picked up the phone, and with shaking fingers and tears streaming down my face, I dialed, and I made the appointment. I slowly walked into Brianna's office and sat down on her couch, and I began to weep again. For the next hour, I told her what was going on, how much I loved Scott, but how much I needed him to get help. And at the end, with barely able to get the words out, I said, how is it going to affect the adoption? She was surprised at my story. She knew Scott, and it wasn't who Scott was, so it was a surprise to her, but she was very supportive and um, knew that, believed with me that we were going to get through it. Scott came back a few days later, and he began to work on some of the issues. So hope began to rise again. I had always prayed and believed that God was bring, would bring healing to Scott's life. I believed it with all of my heart. But on September 16th, 2013, Scott's life ended Days after his death, um, Brianna came and visited with me again, and this time she told me that the adoption would be on hold, um, which was not a surprise to me. I understood it. Um, she was still very comforting and supportive, but I understood her position. Um, and a different day, Elijah's birth mom came to visit me, and she told me, Amber, if you choose to keep Elijah, that's where I want him to. I can't describe the feelings of 
gratefulness to this woman who gave me her son not once, but twice. I'm not going to tell you a lot about the days and the weeks and the months that followed. They were, God taught me a lot. There's a lot of grief. But one thing that he did teach me during that time was God was still God. He had not changed. He was the same God before Scott died as he was after. He had not forsaken me. He had not left me. He was walking with me. Actually, he carried me through those waters. And I placed the adoption in his hands. Nine months later, on July 1st, 2014, Elijah was officially adopted. I'm going to make two, two points with that story. First, I want to make it very clear that had I not been obedient to God when he asked me to tell Nebraska Children's Home, then the outcome of my story might have been very different. I had no idea that in five weeks I would be a widow with two small boys. I only went out of obedience because, believe me, it was not my choice to go sit on a couch and bear my soul. I would have preferred to continue to quietly fight and pray and believe. But had I not gone, when he asked, the circumstances of five weeks later might have been looked upon much differently. Being obedient to God can be so hard in the moment. But that is where trust comes in. We have to believe, we have to trust that he sees a bigger picture than we do. He knows our kids better than we do. He knows what they're going to face. He knows their battles. He knows their hearts better than we do. And we have to learn to trust him. Surrender to you might look different than my surrender with Elijah, but learning to have a heart of surrender and trust allows us to let them go when it needs to, when we need to. It allows us to let them be who God wants them to be, not what we want them to be. And it allows them to know and to see a heart that trusts God so that they in turn can learn to trust God. So why did I spend so much time focusing on two stories that really focus on surrender? Because I really believe that this is something that we as moms, we as people, struggle with. I have heard so many moms share their stories with me, and so often it has to do with their just, it's so hard to let their kids go. It's so hard. They worry. We, we worry about our kids. Are they going to be okay? What's going to happen? Are they going to deal with hurt? Are they going to deal with rejection? Are they going to love Jesus? We worry. There's so many examples I could give you. What does this say about us? Well, as, as moms, I would say it kind of shows us one of our core issues. And I think the core issue comes because of this deep love that God put in our hearts. We struggle surrendering our kids because we have poured so much of ourselves into them, and it's hard to let go. And then we worry and we fret as we hold on. This isn't the picture 
that God wants for us or our kids. I get that surrender is hard. I don't know if I've ever experienced it when it didn't come with pain. But it means that we're not in control. We're not in charge. This can be a game changer for us. What if God wants something different for our kids than we do? What then? What if he allows them to go through something hard or challenging? That's what we protect them from. What are we going to do when it doesn't match up? Are we going to get angry with God? Are we going to join him in the process of teaching them God's truth in the midst of struggles and pain? The truth of the matter is we aren't in charge. We just like to feel like we're in charge. The ironic part is when we surrender, we, we just acknowledge that we aren't in charge. But then there's peace, and it's a divine peace. But guess what? Here's the amazing part. There's a huge difference when that peace comes in because that's what our kids see and other people in our life see. That's what they feel. And they're going to want it for themselves. Please understand that I still walk this road. My journey of surrendering did not end at an adoption office. I still have to surrender my boys. My own fears creep in, and my inadequacies stare me in the face. And that usually leads to worry. Am I doing enough for them? How do I do it as a single mom? I'm not sure the surrender process ever really ends, but I will say that our trust muscle grows as we do it. God's desire for our hearts as a mother is to have hearts that instead of holding so tightly to these things that we love so fiercely, is to hold them with open hands. Hearts that fully trust in God's goodness and his love. My last point is going to be a short one. It's really that God wants us to be dependent on him. I'm going to speak very clearly to us as moms, is we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. I am standing here as a single mom of a three-year-old and a nine-year-old, a full-time working mom, and I can tell you that I cannot do it all. I am thankful, so deeply thankful for the people in my life that God has put in there to help me walk this road, and my mom being one of the top of the list. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that talks about comparison. I'm going to read that. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. But that is a trap that we fall into so easily. We compare ourselves. As a working mom, I wish, oh, I look at the stay-at-home moms, and I think, oh, 
I could, I could give so much more to my boys if I didn't have my job. I have to have my job. Or what if the single or the, the, the stay-at-home moms that I have heard them say to me, oh, I wish I had a career. I, I would be so much more fulfilled. The list could go on and on. I wish my husband was like this, or I wish my wife was like this, or I wish we had this. And all it does is, is put this longing in our heart that we see failure, we see what we don't have, discontentment. But God really sees our hearts. He doesn't see our accomplishments or what the world sees. He sees our hearts. He sees hearts that are dependent on him. Hearts that are surrendered to him. That is what gives us those type of hearts, are the hearts that give us the strength to face whatever curveball the life is going to give us. So give yourself some grace today. There's going to be days that they're going to be great. There's going to be days that are not so great. There's going to be days when you nail that to-do list and days that you throw it in the trash. There's going to be days that your kids behave and are wonderful and obedient and listen. And then there's going to be times when you think, what in the world did I do wrong? But each day, every single day, we just need to be okay with we can't do it all. God never intended for us to do it all. He wants us to be dependent on him. So many times in parenting, I find myself just stopping in the midst of whatever's going on and just saying, Lord, fill in my holes, because believe me, I feel them. I especially feel it when I know that I can't be a daddy to my boys. There's a big gaping hole, and I can't fill it. But even if I did, even single parent or not, I know I'm going to fail. But God never will. He never will. So we can lean on him. We can cast those burdens onto him. One thing I can say to you today without question is that he is bigger than anything that this world can throw at you. His strength is beyond understanding. His love is deeper than the oceans. He is the foundation that you can firmly plant your feet on. He knows the heart of a mother because he created it. So we can trust him with it. As we close today, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come, I just want to ask you, what word did God whisper you to, to you today? Did he speak to your heart? Is he speaking now? He might have said something that I didn't even say, something completely different. Did he speak to you today about somehow, sometimes we get our priorities mixed up. And there are times that we just have to come before him, come at the altars, the, the stairs, and, and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for getting them mixed up. Help me to set them right again. Or perhaps he spoke to you about something that you need to surrender, something that you're holding so tightly to, 
And God just wants us to let him have it. Trust him with it. He is bigger and greater than we give him credit for. And he knows us better. And he knows our circumstances. And most of all, he knows what's ahead. So what truth, word of encouragement, challenge, is he speaking to your heart today? If he is speaking, I just invite you, please don't waste it. Don't waste that precious whisper. Come and seek. Come and ask. Come and and pour your heart out to him. Being dependent on him. That's partly what kneeling before him looks like. So as the worship team plays, I just invite you to come. Thank you. Much more than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more. And ever before, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, I need you. Much more than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more. Than ever before, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. And more than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing And more than the next heartbeat More than anything Lord, as time goes by I'll be by your side Because I never want to go back To my own I need you more So much more than yesterday I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you, Lord I need you more I need you more Much more than yesterday I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you, Lord I need you, Lord More than me More than the air I breathe More than the song I sing More than the next heartbeat More than anything Lord, as time goes by 
I'll be by your side Cause I never want to go back To my life I need you more Trusting in you Much more than yesterday I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you Lord I need you Lord I need I need you more Much more than yesterday I need you more I cry out to you More than words can say here left before we close and I just boy I just think it might be appropriate for us to, to just kind of pray for one another here for a second I, I wonder as I was listening to that message that Amber shared how many of us moms dads men and women play the comparison game how many of us compare ourselves to other people how many of us feel like we have to be perfect and so we, we put on that air we we put on that attitude of perfection we want to make sure that everything is right and when she's talking about surrender she says that the process never gets easier but that faith muscle gets stronger and that's a good word I wonder how many of us this morning just would acknowledge and say, you know what, through all of this, I, I just need my faith muscle to get stronger. I need to, I, I'm not as good at surrender as I need to be. I, and I need God to just grow that faith muscle in me. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? 
say, man, that's me. I need, my, I need that faith muscle to grow. If that's you, would you just raise that hand? Well, can we do this as we close? If there's a, a friend or a spouse or somebody standing next to you with their hand raised, would you just reach over there and would you put your hand on their shoulder? And as we close, Pastor Dan, go ahead and begin to sing that again. Can we just pray for one another? Because there's that heart of surrender that happens. There's that faith muscle that grows. And we need each other. We can't do this alone. We pray for one another this morning. Can we do that? Just lay your hand on them. Just ask God to fill them up. Ask God to grow them. Much more than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more than ever before. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, more than the air. More than the air. More than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat, more than anything, Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never you're comfortable, could you just raise your hands across this place as we just kind of put ourselves in that physical position of surrender to Him this morning? With our hands lifted high, Jesus, we give it all to You. A surrendered heart, a surrendered church, a surrendered people. A people that's willing to say, it's not about what I want, it's about what You want. It's not about my dreams for my life, it's about Yours. It's not about my dreams for my kids. It's about yours. And so we give them to you, Lord Jesus. We give you their future. We give you who they're going to be, Lord, because we know that your plans for them are better than the plans that we have for them. So God, help us to be a people fully surrendered to you. And right now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would just bless every single one of our women in this place this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would just continue to ignite that heart of a mother inside of them, those who are mothers and those who are not, Lord Jesus. You have created them with a divine touch, and we pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would overwhelm them with your heart, with your love, and your affection. And Lord Jesus, those who are having a a difficult time today just because of the nature of the day. 
I pray that you would just speak your peace in. And with grace and mercy and strength, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak peace into their life. Lord Jesus, prove yourself faithful once again. You've done it so many times, Lord Jesus. Do it again. As we surrender ourselves to you, as we surrender our will to you, as we surrender our future and our life and our hopes and our dreams to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just fill us up with your peace and your mercy. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Be with us this day as we go. We thank you for the words spoken today. May it be ingrained into our hearts, into our spirits, and may it bring strength and encouragement. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're still down here praying, please stay until you're done. Be blessed. Have a great and happy, happy Mother's Day.